Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Team Performance, Winning Ways for Uncertain Times. I'm your host, Christian Napier, and we're super excited this week because this is a special edition of our podcast. We normally do one of these once a week, but we've got a special second podcast this week because we have an amazing guest. And I'm going to hand over to my partner in not crime, but my partner in fun, the incredible brains of the operation, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? I am fabulous, Christian. So good to be with you again. And I'm, I'm excited like you are for our guest, uh, Judith Bunnell. And I learned about Judith the roundabout way, basically from her husband. And I'm so excited. She is an up and coming celebrity and uh, should be on, on, on some televisions tonight. But we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Judy is a proven education entrepreneur who co-founded Flex Academies, or just Flex, and that rapidly expanded it from a local business to a multi-state enterprise serving approximately 20,000 students in over 60 schools across six states. Flex is a consumer-facing K-12 company, and it's focused on providing a rich array of after-school enrichment programs to students through the management of portfolio of third-party vendors. And you recently sold this interest to a, an investor group and is now seeking you know, your next challenge, I understand, Judy, and as a consultant and board member or a business partner. And you have so much experience in the nonprofit world, fundraising. I, I love your civic, really, experience and working in national and international organizations such as the DC College Success Foundation, the Sally May Fund, Empower, World Vision, and as it gets to the civic situation, uh, Seattle's It's All About Time for Kids, and you successfully managed complex national education projects, developed original classroom curriculum, and managed the implementation and evaluation of youth development college preparation programs. So, so important. And so you are a skilled uh, educator, solver of problems, a strategist, and you are also somebody you were talking before we got on about the importance of teaching uh, young people, the importance of financial fiscal responsibility and budgeting. And you've had great experience as a, as a planning director for the city of Seattle and chief financial officer of its public utilities. So lots of responsibility there. And you started your career, and this is a question I have for you, Judy, as a public finance investment banker at Piper Jaffray. And I know that your husband worked there and I'm wondering if there's any connection there between him working there and you working there and you two being married. Um, I will give you the very short version of a <laughs> long love story. We've been married for 37 years, I think now. My husband and I, Joseph, and I met in graduate school. We went to the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, graduated together, and decided to go to the private sector, um, partly because it was hot. I won't date myself too much, but it was the mid-80s. And investment banking was hot, and we had huge student loans. As my <laughs> husband said, our combined uh, 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 betrothal uh, dowry was over $100,000. So we actually did both work in investment banking, and I eventually moved over to his firm, and that's what took us to Seattle, Washington. Excellent. Well, in $1980, that's uh, a lot of money. And currently, you're involved with the uh, Kennedy School as an advisory committee member on the state and local government uh, um, committee there. And you also have an undergraduate degree from Yale College. I do. 
So very, very, very uh, auspicious, lots of experience and education. So we're so glad to have you. Hey, applause, Christian. Well, the reason we asked you, Judy, to come on is with all of your experience, one of the things that we're seeing with a lot of working adults right now is a challenge of not only managing their responsibilities or their businesses from home, but now managing additional family responsibilities, such as education. This is a huge responsibility. Kids are uh, needing to be involved. They need to be with, with friends. They need to be challenged. They need to have time. They need to have attention. And there's a tug and a pull that happens at home with a lot of working professionals. And when I heard about what you were doing for the kids in your neighborhood, you happen to live in Georgetown in Washington, D.C., which is such a beautiful community. I think you're like six blocks away from Georgetown University. Georgetown University is in the mid- We live six blocks away, yes. Georgetown University is in the midst of Georgetown, the community. Yeah, it is so beautiful where where you live. But one of the challenges is how do we keep these wonderful children of ours engaged and enthusiastic with in the midst of social distancing and and staying safe with the coronavirus? And I just love to to hear where this thought came from and 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 what you're doing and how you're helping in your community to solve some of these problems. So let me. Um... Let me start by telling you what the Georgetown Street Safari is, because that will help explain how we got there. Uh, The Georgetown Street Safari, and anyone listening can go on Facebook and just put in Georgetown Street Safari and link to the website and just know if you want to replicate it in your community, go. It is a labor of love that my daughter and I um, put together, but it's as far as we're concerned, it's for everyone. It um, Georgetown is an urban community. It's about 10 blocks by 10 blocks. It's pretty much all townhomes, so it's very dense. It's a very tight-knit community. We know each other. And uh, I happen to have a bunch of small children on my block. And one of the things you didn't mention that I have done in my past is be a mom. So my daughter's grown, but I was a working mom. I totally get it. I have a lovely husband who is a great working dad, but it's hard. And I have watched the parents around us struggle. I also know about education and know there's a whole other podcast on how K-12 education is doing well or not so well for our kids. And I have some things we could talk about on in a different world. But the Georgetown Street Safari, uh, Georgetown has a very active listserv, community listserv. Someone brought the idea. I cannot say I originated the idea, but someone said that they had heard in Florida, people were putting stuffed animals in the windows of their homes and kids were running around and seeing the stuffed animals and getting excited. That sounds like a great idea. Someone else on the listserv, uh, because we're that sort of community, said, wouldn't it be fun if we had a treasure map for the kids? So poor me, or not poor me, poor my daughter. I have a 25-year-old daughter <laughs> who is stuck with the family right now. And there's a long story. She's a professional ballet dancer. She's brilliant and a social media wizard. 
and I, I understand turned to my daughter. Was in, I understand she was in Barcelona. That's where she performs and had to leave because of the coronavirus, which is a huge impact on, on a young professional. Uh, she is, um, you know, she does not know what her future holds. Yeah. Um, so she, but if anyone's going to get through this, my daughter, India will, I mean, she is spectacular and I take no credit for that. But I turn to India when I'm seeing all this run around the listserv and I am active in my community. I go, India, could you pull together a map of stuffed animals if people kind of get into this? And she goes, she barely looks up. She goes, <laughs> sure, mom. And I think we both thought it was going to be 20 animals. And last count, it was over 275 households are doing this. And I don't know what percentage of Georgetown households that is, but that's a pretty big number. Um, my daughter, bless her heart, uh, did put together, we've done edition one, edition two, we're working on edition three, but she basically put together a map of Georgetown with pinpoints where all the animals were. And then when you flip the map over, it lists the animals um, by street address by type of animal, and then we have some Georgetown residents who are very clear that their animals have names. <laughs> so let me just tell you, it is not a polar bear. It is Pete the polar bear. <laughs> and um, she put this together. It, you know, you could download it. It is a PDF. She also put together a Facebook page because, as she said, we're trying to build community. Right. So people are taking pictures of themselves or of their children or of their animals, uploading them on the Facebook page, making comments, um, adding, you know, telling us we missed their animal and we need to get it get on the next edition. And she also has created a Twitter account and Georgetown Street Safari tweets. And I. This has made me so happy. I have I open my front door and I see little kids walk by and point at my window, which has one little stuffed animal in it, and turn to their parents and and just get all excited. And I, I because I live in a small community, I can yell out at them and go, "Hey, do you see the bear up there?" And they go, "Yes." And I go, "Are you doing the safari?" And they go, "Yes." And they're <laughs> excited. So. Um, we're creating joy and community and something for kids to do. And I, I'll stop by saying, I think one of the side attributes we're doing, we have a lot of seniors in this community. I'm guessing a lot of the folks who put the animals in their windows actually are not going out much. And they're getting joy from putting the animals up, watching the kids seeing the posts. Um, I think we're creating joy in a way we didn't think we were going to, but that's okay. You know, Judy, I think it's so interesting. Being socially distant can be challenging, mm -hmm. but it's so amazing to see ways like what you've created here with the safari to take this challenge of becoming distant and actually bringing everybody closer together. 
Mm-hmm. It's an it's it's a it's a bit of an irony, you know, that while we have to stay physically further apart from each other, there are ways that we can actually become closer to each other. Agreed. I think um, I'll skew off Street Safari for a moment. Um, so I have a family of three. We're all living in our little house right now. We have a Zoom call. We actually have two tonight. Just so you know, Friday nights are busy. We've had three. We have a Zoom call every night with far-flung friends, um, people from all parts of our lives or family, special attention to our single friends and our friends who are a little bit older. And I think we've reached out to people that I won't say we've lost touch with, but now we have a standing call with them. And um, that wouldn't have happened. I, I don't wish this pandemic on anybody, but we've found ways to get close and we end our calls with our friends going i love you and sending air kisses and who does that we're doing that and we're not the only ones and this is a situation that is really warranting that but yet making it this is what we really need to be doing to care for each other mm-hmm. and you know i love that you really brought in the fact that this is this is not just about taking up time for these kids, but it is about helping people feel like they're part of a solution to mm-hmm. a problem. And, and this is something that, that neighbors are doing right in their own backyard to bring joy. And it makes me a little emotional talking about it because, um, you know, we talk a lot about business and teams, but there is no greater team than, than family and, and friends. And this is, you know, we're talking about people's lives who then are going to go back out into the world and, and, and improve the world. Well, how can they do that if they're coming from a place with, without hope or mm-hmm. without, uh, you know, without a, a, a model for how they can make the world a better place? And mm-hmm. I think this is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and it's interesting, I, you make a good point, Spencer. We've had... Uh, we got an email from the, the I don't remember if she was a city, a city council member or the mayor of a community in Maryland called Bladensburg. She asked, um, could we tell her how to do this in her community? And we're like, sure. I mean, and we've had people from different parts of D.C. I have a friend group in Seattle. Uh, I think they're going to do it. I, it's, it's out there. And every well, community yeah. can do its own version of it. There's no right way to do it. There's a right attitude. And the right attitude is community and kids and joy. I, that is absolutely the attitude. And I think it's going to be more than those communities because I understand as I was talking to your husband today, Judy, that you were talking to CNN. They actually came to your home. <laughs> I, I, I have to laugh. I, I am. You are the media gurus. I am not. Um, yeah, we've been interviewed by the local TV stations, by you know the local, very local newspapers, all the way up to the Washington Post, CNN, and then um, uh, one of the other broadcast networks interviewed us and I had to laugh today. They wanted to talk to me and my daughter, which obviously that's not too hard. <laughs> you can tell I can I can talk. But um they also wanted to talk to some kids who had done the safari. And I you know, I have some beautiful four and five year olds who are friends and I would say these reporters 
don't have children because they were on the struggle bus. <laughs> I was watching them ask questions that I kind of wanted to coach them and say, you know, I'm in education and or have been in education and yeah. have dealt with kids of all different types all my life and have had my own child. I, oh, Charlotte was not helping during the interview. She was pulling her <laughs> microphone off and sticking it up her dress. And I just had to laugh. I mean, I, I you know, the reporter got what she needed, but she did it the hard way. You know, oh. God bless her. <laughs> you know, you're just talking to them, right? You're having a conversation. But I would love to hear what what are they experiencing? What have you heard from these these children? Obviously, they're you know they're talking to you from afar, which is wonderful, and you're taking the time to do that. What have you heard? Well, here's what I've heard, and you know, I'll be honest and say it's mostly the parents because the uh-huh. kids, you know, the kids. The kids just do kid things. What the parents tell me is um, sometimes it's organized. One of our, I mean, because we have so many animals, honestly, it could be a week long project to find. Uh-huh. I mean, you could spend weeks on this if you wanted to. But we see on the weekends, we see a bunch of kids. Some of it's organized where they've got the map, they're going house by house, they've picked a street, they're identifying the animals, they're looking at their map, they're looking at their list, they're getting excited. The little kids, honestly, they don't care about the map. Mom has picked the street. They're going down and they're just pointing out animals. And, I, you know, I didn't know what a Pikachu was. And I, little Charlotte told me she had seen a <laughs> Pikachu a block away. And I'm like, well, cool, cool, Charlotte. What the heck is that? She didn't know either. But um, these are Pokemon. Come on. And, well, see, there you go. And, um, <laughs> So I think kids are approaching it in many different ways. I think parents are obviously smart parents are rolling with their kids. I mean, that's the point. And um, what I understand is when we put this together, I was particularly thinking about, you mentioned a single parent. We have a single mom who lives down the block who is we're close to, and we've watched her raise Katie. I was thinking about Katie. Katie's between four and five. I was thinking, I could hear Katie in the backyard. I can tell she's antsy. Um, I know the sound of a pent up child. And I was thinking about Katie and Kara, the mom told me they just go every night when the weather's good for a walk. Katie's allowed to pick the street and they just walk and look for animals. And, you know, whether they're using the map or the app or the whatever, I don't care. They're getting out. Right. They're having a good time. Kara's a working mom. She actually works on Capitol Hill. Um, she's working at home, but she's also shuttling a little bit up on the hill. And I, this is a thing they can look forward to at 5 o'clock going out together. And I also know that as the kids have walked around, I watch the interactions. Other adults will walk by and talk to the kids again from a safe distance. I live on a street. It's a one-way street. And honestly, I can stand on one side of my street and yell at someone on the other side of the street and we can all hear each other and be <laughs> safe. So I think that's what they're doing with this. Um, yeah. And it's lovely. I think there'll be a time where it kind of peters out and that's okay too, but we're all going to feel a little closer in Georgetown because we did this. Um, both the people who put, animals in the windows, the kids who went on the safaris, and just people like me who watched it all. Um, I'll give you a tip. Go on the Facebook page. 
there's one little girl. I don't know her name because I don't, I just don't know this family. She dressed up to do this, the safari. If you go on the Facebook page, she's wearing khakis and a little quasi pit helmet. Um, I think she and her mom got into this and I'm kind of like, what the heck? But that's so cool. Well, what I find really interesting is, you know, not only are we kind of uh, closing the social distancing gap uh, among neighbors, but also generationally, it sounds like, between parents and children and also between those seniors that are putting those animals in the window and the little children who are walking by, they now have something in common that maybe they didn't have before. And who knows, maybe later on they'll see each other in the street and say, oh yeah, you had the mouse up in the window. Yeah, I remember that, you know? And uh, so what a great way to not only uh, bring neighbors closer together, but also generations. Yes, yes. I think that's um, important and it's interesting. It's important right now because there's been so much emphasis on the high risk of our seniors. Yeah. That doesn't mean we want we want to be safe. We want to be respectful of their health, but we can't isolate them. So I think you make a good point. This is a safe way for them to be part of the community. Well, some of these, uh, some of these stuffed animals have medical masks on them. In uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, and let me, okay. So my community, Georgetown and, and anybody who's listening to this, feel free to come and visit. It, it's a lovely community. It's a historic community. It it's actually beautiful. It's the oldest part of D.C. It was here before D.C. was D.C. But um, it's also a kind of intense community. Yeah. So we've gotten comments where we've put out that um, the panda at 2612 R Street is up. And I'll get an email and say, I'm sorry, Georgetown Street Safari. That's not a panda. That's a polar bear. And I'm like... <laughs> Yes, ma'am. And then she'll add, and his name is Pete. I'm like, well, of course. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of laugh. Nobody's being mean. But we're just taking it very seriously, Judy. We're taking right. it seriously, which is lovely. And, you know, we have time to be serious about silly. Not silly. We have time to be silly, to be serious about everyday things. That's right. But I've heard some lovely stories, too, about a bear that's been in the family for several generations that's up. Or I had to scour my house. My kids are grown. But here's my animals that were left over in my son's room. That's lovely. And, and they're sending those little emails in. And I'm, you know, we, we have our own email account, so they don't know it's me. But they get a little message back from Georgetown Street Safari saying, thank you for sharing Pete the panda with us. Um, it's nice. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I think is nice is that you are lifting the burden of that single mother. You are lifting the burden of parents who have to come up with activities. And I'm talking to parents every day that are struggling. How do I keep my my children engaged? Uh, you know, some of you have brilliant people in your community, as many people who are listening are. But after a while, the burden of having to come up with all the ideas is is uh, is great. So having some activities that just allow people to get outside and see other people from a safe distance is just something that I think is is renewing and refreshing. I hope, well, if I have a hope, 
there's a couple of things. One, that our K-12 system a little bit thinks about what has happened and thinks a little more critically about how to be, be prepared in the future. Yeah. So there's a long conversation about that. And I'd love to talk so. about it. My, oh, yeah. my, daughter, my daughter, who is brilliant, has four children, nine and under, uh, was spending more time with all of the technology that they had to do and uploading things and kids getting distracted. She actually pulled her kids out of school and is doing it all herself. That's a unique situation. Not, you know, she's a stay at home mother. Not everybody has that opportunity, but we have the curriculum. We've, we've put it together. My, my wife and, and daughter have so many things that they can do to, to really develop their children. Not everybody's in that situation, but for the reasons you just talked about, you know, there's challenges with the, even the, the great school system that they're in. It was, it was not a cop out. It was actually improving their education to pull them out right now. Yeah. There's again, there's a whole podcast on K-12 yeah. and how it yeah. has frankly failed our children um, at all different levels and for a bunch of different reasons. And it's shown the fragmentation of K-12, that it's a state system. It's a local district system. It is a school by school system and a classroom by classroom system. And we have a lot of friends who are in the education business because I was in the education business. What we're hearing both policy-wise and anecdotally is pretty disheartening. And as you said, Spencer, that's some of those stories are with parents who have resources. Right. Then just think about the parents who don't have resources. And no, um, that's right. And, and we're not setting crazy. that up. As a mo- if that's not a model for everyone to follow because not everybody has, has those no, resources. But it, but. Is, it is crazy that we're not prepared. But whole other podcast, I, um, I think parents, it is always hard having been a working parent and um, having and being married to a working parent. Um, I, my last job was I became an education entrepreneur partly because I needed the flexibility because my husband had a big job and partly I wanted to work at home. I'm going off on a tangent here, but I think people think entrepreneurs are all young guys who play basketball and walk around in chinos and flip flops. <laughs> I am a testament. That is not true. There are lots of people like myself that choose that route um, because family's important. And it's one of the ways to accommodate family. Although I've never worked harder in my life than when I did this, but at least I could work after eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night or six o'clock in the I was morning. Just say, exactly. Your, your, your mm-hmm. day gets extended a, a long I, time because you have to have that flexibility. That's yeah. right. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't end. Yeah. I worked all the time and my business was working with parents. So a lot of my customers, the only time they could get in touch with me was eight o'clock at night. I got that. You know, we would set up calls and we would talk at eight and I could tell mom was tired and maybe the reason they were being crabby about what had happened in my program was had nothing to do with the program, had to do with working full time, having two kids, coming home, making dinner, doing the laundry, taking care of kids, getting them to bed. And of course, by the time she or he got to me, they were they were on edge. That's okay. I understand that. More street safari and, and less 
crankiness. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, sounds like a plan for me. I think, as you mentioned, this uh, insidious illness, disease, virus is uh, providing all of humanity an opportunity to reassess its priorities and maybe think about new ways of doing things. And hopefully, at the end, we'll all come out better for it. You've been so gracious with your time, Judy. I really appreciate you dedicating so much time to come and speak with us this afternoon. And we'd like to let you get back to all of your Zoom calls and birthday celebrations and whatnot. If people want to learn more about Georgetown Street Safari and the great work that you're doing, how best might they do that? I would say, I mean, they can uh, go to just search Facebook for Georgetown Street Safari and they'll see our Facebook page. And obviously they can like us and follow us and all those wonderful things. If you want to get direct contact with me, GeorgetownStreetSafari at gmail.com. All right. Fantastic. Spencer, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, how might they contact you? Contact me at Spencer at AltiumLeadership.com. That's A-L-T-I-U-M. Or visit us online at AltiumLeadership.com. And for me, uh, Christian Napier, you can contact me at cnapier at gp4.com. That's G-P-F-O-U-R.com. Judy, once again, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. And the great example that you and your daughter have set and the joy that you've brought to so many children and their parents and all of the community there in Georgetown. We really appreciate having you on. Pleasure. 